Welcome to SAS Talk with Kim, your sustainability action series podcast highlighting how local governments are leading the way toward a more sustainable future. I'm your host, Kim Lundgren. I've spent the last 16 years working for and with local governments to help them create resilient, inclusive, thriving communities. I started this podcast series to connect you with the key people on the ground putting sustainability into action in their communities. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to SAS Talk with Kim. I'm your host, Kim Lundgren, and really excited today to have a great guest with us talking about a really important topic that certainly has grown in interest uh, around waste and recycling. It's kind of our often our gateway to sustainability. Uh, Today we have Celine Castillo, who's a planner with the city of Austin, Texas, responsible for waste diversion. Welcome to the show, Celine. Hi, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, as I said, this is such an important topic, and I feel like, you know, in all my years working with local governments and the community members on sustainability, the first thing people always say is, well, I recycle. You know, like this is kind of the gateway to get people engaged in sustainable behaviors. Um, it's always kind of the forefront of the conversation, and of course, it's what people kind of, I think, gravitate towards when they think about green. Um, And, you know, of course, recycling and plastics pollution has been in the news quite a bit lately. I mean, we're seeing so much around these ever-growing plastic patches in the ocean. And then, of course, the announcement from China where they're banning imports of some of our waste and recyclables, which I know a lot of folks have counted on. So, you know, when we're thinking about waste, you know, our team here at KLA thought you guys in Austin, of course, would be a great city to talk to about this. I know you've been engaged in this area for a long time. And of course, you've set your zero waste goal. Um, So I wonder if you could start us off a bit, just giving some background on Austin's recycling and composting programs and talk about how, you know, those are helping you work toward that zero waste goal. Yeah, definitely. So as you mentioned, Austin has a zero waste goal that our city council set uh, back in 2009, I believe, to reach 90% diversion by 2040. And so that goal uh, really set the stage for Austin to, to grow and develop in this area of sustainability. And the department that logically would be most involved in this area is my department, Austin Resource Recovery, uh, which is basically the city's solid waste services department. Um, And I'll touch on our services in a bit, uh, but to continue that, uh, the zero waste history here, uh, so our our department's master plan was was approved by council to be a, a roadmap, if you will, to achieve zero waste. Um, and as a customer-facing department, also improve the services um, that we provide to to our community. Um, so, you know, our department, Austin Resource Recovery, um, provides several curbside collection services to single-family homes, and we're talking about talking about trash, about recycling, uh, yard trimmings, um, bulk pickup, which you know, furniture, appliances, and such. And most recently, we added uh, composting, curbside composting. Um, and our, our composting work expanded recently from a, from a pilot to a full-fledged program last year. Um, so we're phasing in that program um, across our community and hope to have 
all of our 200,000 plus single family households in the program by 2020. Um, and by the end of, of June, by the end of next month, actually, we'll be almost halfway there with about 90,000 of those customers. Um, and so the, the, um, the big number that we have right now moving forward in terms of zero waste um, is based off of our 2019 uh, community diversion study, um, which resulted in often having a diversion rate of 42%. Um, and so that has been our most you know, comprehensive study in terms of recycling, composting, uh, we considered reductions, donations, um, and other diversion activities um, community-wide. So both residences and business activity was, was included there. So that's really interesting. You had mentioned that um, the council had approved a 90% diversion rate, and yet it, you do refer to it as a zero waste goal. Is that correct? Yes. So how are we making up that last 10%? So that 90% um, really is considering that 100% diversion um, might not be a possibility uh, in terms of, you know, cost benefit um, and also just in terms of um, practicality. Mm -hmm. um, if you will, so that even looking at our um, at our waste audits and our studies, there is still a fraction of the waste stream that uh, that we call residuals, where material is not in a in a recyclable or in, in a divertible form. Um, so that material needs to go to the landfill. Mm hmm. Well, and I ask because I think this is something a lot of communities struggle with, right? Like, is it even feasible to to totally get to zero waste? And, and what does it look like? And honestly, by 2040, things may look very different, right? But for what we have now, um, you know, certainly 90% diversion rate is still incredibly aggressive and <laughs> something to be proud of. Maybe at that point, our, our, uh, our leadership was, was considering that ambition and trying to measure it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So one of the things that kind of sparks my, you know, interest in, in all that you talked about doing, I mean, you expanded your composting to be curbside, which is great. Um, what is, I mean, does the city have a specific, um, like, solid waste utility, or is it just based on the fees? How is the system run that um, the city's able to afford offering a lot of these services because I know that's something a lot of communities struggle with is that balance between how much do people want to pay in fees and taxes versus how many services we want to be able to deliver directly. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, yes, so uh, so Austin Resource Recovery um, is a is a fee for service department, right? So it's considered. Um, what we call an enterprise fund, which basically means that we are funded through rates paid by customers. So um, Austin has a uh, pay-as-you-throw uh, type of rate system where um, your, your 
solid waste services bill um, is really uh, determined by the size of trash container that you have. So if you have the largest uh, uh, trash container that we offer, then you're going to be paying more than your neighbor who has the smallest trash container available. Um, we also have a what we call a clean community fee, um, which applies to both residences um, and businesses um, within Austin city limits, um, and that will cover um, your what some might consider more peripheral services, um, including um, including street sweeping and litter abatement, uh, but also funds. Um, my team in particular, which is the business outreach team. And so um, likely in our conversation, we'll get into all of the tasks of the business outreach team. Um, but basically, we help businesses to improve or start their, their recycling um, and diversion uh, programs. Okay, that's fantastic. So I guess along those lines, um, can you talk a bit more about the different services that you're offering for individuals and businesses and and maybe what you're hoping is coming down the pike yes definitely so um so on the businesses front so in austin um businesses contract with private hauling companies uh for their for all of their waste management needs so for trash for recycling for composting etc these same businesses so commercial properties as well as multi-family properties, they are affected by the uh, Universal Recycling Ordinance, uh, which broadly speaking requires for property owners to ensure that their employees and tenants have, have access uh, to recycling services. And we've, spe we've set specific requirements for compliance um, that cover you know, their recycling capacities, uh, employee and tenant education, um, types of materials that are recycled, and also reporting back to the city on recycling programs. And so the business outreach team that I mentioned earlier, we help businesses meet those requirements and also go above and beyond those requirements if that's something that, that the business is interested in. And a big piece of this uh, emphasis on, on these commercial and multifamily waste streams really is that 85% of trash in our community is coming from the commercial and multifamily waste streams. Um, mm. It could be in part because Austin has such a high population living in, in apartments and condo complexes. Um, so really it's, these are important sectors to consider um, and to target when reaching, when reaching zero waste. Um, and so speaking more directly to your question about the services that we offer, we would do, uh, we offer con uh, consultations or assessments. Um, we do presentations to industry associations. Um, we provide educational material that businesses can use and all of that is it's free, uh, free to access. Um, and we also offer a zero waste rebate program uh, for businesses. Um, it's available to eligible businesses, uh, really, that are trying to start or improve their recycling or other diversion program, um, and it is maxed at 1,800 per per business. 
$1,800. Yes. Interesting. So, I mean, a lot of times, I think a lot of, a lot of cities um, often have a similar setup where the um, high rises, you know, the large multifamilies and commercial businesses have to go out and do stuff um, with private haulers. So I'm wondering, like, did you have any pushback from the business community when your universal recycling ordinance went into play? How have they been to kind of work with? Yeah, so I think that, so I wasn't around when, uh, when the ordinance, you know, originally was being developed, uh, but the message that we are getting uh, now that the URO is almost fully implemented um, is that there does need to be a large degree of communication with our private hauling companies. Um, and that's something that we are that we are working on. Um, we are in constant communication with them, but some of these bigger questions in terms of uh, needs, you know, business needs in terms of services, um, that is that is something that, that that we're working to improve and to get some more clarity on as well. Um, one of the main suggestions that we make to our businesses, especially those that are smaller and, you know, often is growing at a tremendous rate, uh, businesses that are starting to become um, a little bit more crowded in their areas, we recommend that they share services as a way to decrease the any potential cost increase. Um, from a recycling program or just from a waste management standpoint, honestly, um, one of the key takeaways that we have all learned is that people, you know, both residents and businesses alike, uh, not too many people think about their trash bill and mm -hmm. what they can do to reduce that trash bill. Uh, they are there is a surprisingly low number of people who are uh, who are aware of you know their exact trash service, and so um, whether you know it's it's completely fine if this was an indirect effect of the URO, but I think we're also seeing that people are starting to become a little bit more familiar with with what it is that they're paying for exactly and what services they truly need. So I think that's a really great segue into just generally about kind of education and awareness. You know, as I alluded to at the beginning of this interview, I, I feel like from my experience, what I've heard over and over is that's where people start. They get it. I mean, when people meet me and I tell them what I do, they're like, oh, I recycle. They feel the need to share that with me, right? Because it's, you know, they feel like they're doing their part. Um, but, you know, honestly, in working with a lot of different clients over the years, I know a lot of my um, clients, uh, you know, their recycling rates are actually going down and they've been surprised by that. And I think the community is surprised by that. So I wonder if you could talk about some of the more, more effective ways that Austin's been able to not only raise awareness of the importance of recycling, composting, and of course, reducing and reusing, um, but, you know, how you're actually getting people to, to do it and to understand, as you're saying, the, the value of it. Yeah, no, definitely. So let's speak to the business end. Uh, first, 
So the, the URO, um, two of the five requirements of that ordinance speak directly to education. So when we're talking about how to truly make people uh, ed provide recycling education, that is one approach. Um, so we require properties to educate employees and tenants on their recycling program annually. Uh, and also within 30 days of movement or higher, depending if we're talking about a commercial or multifamily property. Another requirement is for signs to be posted showing what material can be recycled in common areas and where those recycling containers can be accessed. Um, and is that something that you guys provide? Like, do you, do, do you provide those posters or no, because the private haulers, it's going to depend what they can offer? So we do provide this, so we have uh, online resources where properties can uh, print and post the, that signage, and we also have, um, have hard copies. So like I mentioned, we do those consultations, and we'll take what we call a business assistance package, um, and it has several of our handouts, tip sheets, fact sheets, and all of that good stuff. Um, we really try to... Uh, emphasize as much as possible the importance of education, um, which you know one can actually see as just contamination prevention. Mm -hmm. um, and on the on the family side, so speaking to ARR as a service provider, we have several resources that uh, that customers can also use in terms of education. Um, one of our, I think, our our funnest. Uh, resources is our uh, block leader program. So basically, uh, our block leaders um, are our voice in neighborhoods, and so they it's a voluntary program that anyone can sign up for. They help spread the word about recycling and composting in their in their neighborhood. They clarify any questions on materials that can and can't be uh, recycled. Um, and they also participate in community events that um, Austin Resource Recovery staff um, also attend with them. <clears throat> and so these community events um, are either put together by, uh, by the city of Austin um, and we are tabling or it's put together by another um, community organization and we are basically there to educate the public uh, on what can and can't be recycled in the city of Austin. And I, another, you know, very surprising uh, finding from, from participating in these community events is that people have a lot of questions mm -hmm. on what can and cannot be recycled. Um, one of the you know, most basic uh, and common items the pizza box, uh, that one is a head scratcher for a lot of people. And, um, you know, it varies from, from pizza boxes uh, to, you know, rubber bands or, you know, the top of a, uh, of a Tupperware container. Mm -hmm. uh, people have a lot of questions. And so making sure that you are providing access, providing a an open space for them to to make those questions um, I think is important and so to that end online we also have a, a what can I recycle tool that 
allows you or anyone from the public to type in what item you have doubts about and then you know the the widget tells you okay you can put this in your blue recycling bin at home or you can take it to um, Austin's recycle and reuse drop-off center or you can compost it etc that's really interesting and you know I've also have experienced that where people just truly I mean they feel like they want to do the right thing and then they actually or not, <laughs> um, particularly when it comes to food waste left on these items. I'm, I'm guessing, uh, very curious, you know, the pizza boxes are like the perfect example of that, right? Where the grease yes. and the cheese are like stuck on it and people are sticking them in the recycling and then you could taint like a whole truckload, right? Yes, that's unfortunate because you're right. They are trying to do the right thing. And um, it's not until they run across a table with people that are slightly knowledgeable on recycling and they ask, by the way, you know, I'm doing the right thing, right? And then you have to, you know, break it to them that they haven't been doing the right thing for the past, you know, five, 10 years. Yeah, I, I actually remember from when I was in college and it was a while ago, I won't say how long, but there was very clearly in the, um, you know, we had like trash and recycling rooms on every floor. I lived in a huge tower. And uh, I mean, it's the, it's the thing that stuck with me the most. Pizza boxes are recyclable when there's no pizza. Pizza is not recyclable. <laughs> Just have these very simple thing like, okay, as long as I don't have pizza on my box, it can go in there. Um, but that, that stuck with me for all this time because it was just right there in my face. And of course, in a college dorm, you have a lot of pizza boxes, I'm sure coming through. Right. Um, so, okay. That's really interesting. I love the idea of the block leaders, um, kind of giving them guidance, um, supporting them as they're kind of supporting their whole neighborhood. Is that? Yes. Yes. Because I mean, we also recognize that, we have limited staffing, and so we cannot be in every neighborhood as much as we'd like to um, providing that guidance. Um, and sometimes, honestly, it is better if you hear it from a neighbor than if you hear it from a stranger. Um, and that also builds that, you know, at the same time, indirectly, again, creating that community um, around recycling and supporting uh, the city's sustainability efforts. Yeah, exactly. So I guess along those lines, I mean, you have a number of different programs and clearly a lot of resources for your community. Um, how are you tracking the progress at, on these different programs? Yeah, so great question. So I think our, our, our biggest success measure um, has to be our diversion rate, um, which, as I mentioned earlier, stands at 42% as of 2015. So we have some work to do. Um, <laughs> Still but, pretty good. Um, <laughs> um, but the you know the plan as of now is to have uh, another diversion, another formal diversion rate check in in 2020. Um, but we're hoping that before then we have indicators of how much the needle is moving, um, and that's some, something that we're actually working to figure out right now um, with our recent composting efforts. Um, the department, Austin Research Recovery, has and likely will continue doing waste audits periodically uh, and planning to do um, cart set out audits uh, to see, you know, one, are people composting, are people participating and taking well to this new program? Um, and two, um, are, they, are they composting correctly, right? So are, are we 
providing as much edu education as possible in order to avoid um, a what I would call it a dangerous contamination level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm guessing, I mean, being home to University of Texas and a lot of like big festivals like South by Southwest and Austin City Limits, um, you know, there's a lot of students, a lot of festivals going on. I mean, that I'm guessing adds to the challenge of, you know, on the education side, but also just in general, like dealing with large events like this and making sure that you're able to still meet your recycling and composting requirements or something like that yes definitely um, so UT is a huge component of what makes Austin Austin um, but with that comes some responsibility and so um, on the yes so students you know coming from all different backgrounds um, cities and different parts of the world with just a broad spectrum of of knowledge about recycling and interest or potentially no interest in zero waste. Um, and, and that can cause confusion, you know, just broadly speaking. So the student engagement is something that, that we're actively working on. Um, and right now, one of our teams here at Austin Resource Recovery is having a pilot in one of the neighborhoods that is that surrounds UT, um, mm -hmm. which is predominantly uh, student populated, it's called West Campus. Um, and so the pilot is uh, slated to happen during the move in, move out period um, around August timeframe of this year. And so our team is partnering with local reuse organizations and properties in that area to, to facilitate the movement of materials and make the practice of of diversion, either recycling, donating, reusing, um, as, as convenient and as clear for, for our students. So fingers crossed that there will be some good measurable results to share soon. That's great. And, you know, that reminds me of, of course, a lot of cities are now starting to look at the circular economy and how they can make connections between you know, what somebody, one person's waste, right, is another one's uh, source of goods and materials. Uh, we actually had done a podcast with the city of Phoenix a, a while ago around what they're doing around the circular economy. Are you guys starting to look at that? I know you've already made a lot of partnerships in the community. Yes, definitely. So so the, the West Campus pilot is part of a team, our recycling economic development team, which is we are heading all of our circular economy and reuse initiatives. Um, they are working, they have a couple of of uh, projects going on, uh, but one area, a couple of areas of focus there is um, the Austin Materials Marketplace. They are the liaison there. So they're you know, speaking exactly to providing a resource or a new use for, um, for material. Um, it's basically an exchange system for businesses um, that either have surplus material or are in need of surplus material um, an exchange can happen there in that online platform um, and you know focused again around the um, around any material that can be um, that can be reused another uh, program that they have going on are called fix it clinics 
And so it is what they what it sounds like. So you would basically show up to a location with either a broken toaster, some torn jeans, or something to that effect, and somebody uh, would be able to help you learn how to mend your uh, torn jeans or learn how to fix your broken toaster to continue uh, to give life to that to that material. Um, so they have several programs like that and much larger scale ones as well um, that they're working on. I love the idea of those fix-it clinics. I mean, to me, it seems like such a no-brainer and obviously something too that you could pull in a lot of different members of your community. I'm always thinking about, um, you know, some of our seniors that maybe could use a job. Like a lot of them are super handy um, around the house. They always had to fix things. It wasn't like just constantly we're buying new things like our culture has kind of shifted to today. Um, you know, I think my grandmother's still probably using her toaster from 1950. <laughs> so like, I feel like that's a great way to kind of also build in, um, you know, get people engaged in a way that they might not otherwise have an opportunity to. Exactly. So I know we're coming towards the end here, um, but I always like to leave on a kind of a note of giving more tips. You've already given some great examples of stuff that's happening in Austin and where you're having successes. But is, is there something, you know, let's think of a community that's either maybe just getting started, really thinking about waste diversion programs, um, or if they kind of stalled out uh, and need to you know, give it a, another boost, what, what would be kind of one of your key suggestions for, for other communities and trying to either get started or, you know, maybe zap some more life into their um, diversion program? So I would say think long-term and plan long-term. Uh, so really have, have a, an honest discussion with with uh, your colleagues uh, to set out what is your goal and what are possible tools and routes to get to that goal. So, so regulating works for some, but not all. Um, so in thinking about our, our ordinance, um, realizing that maintenance should be a large consideration um, are staff resources available to to implement and enforce a new ordinance or a piece of public policy? You know that that needs to be a a, a large conversation and large piece of that of that thinking process. Um, and if folks do go the regulatory route, um, the best suggestion is to keep it simple for affected properties and affected folks. That's great. And I think, um, you know, a couple other things I wanted to just pull out as a reminder for our listeners of some of the, you know, important things I think you've mentioned here along the ways, you know, I really appreciate that you had, had said the mentioned the importance of keeping a close communication with private haulers. I think that is an area that we often forget. Um, and then, you know, I know when we're doing like a greenhouse gas inventory, even we can't even get any information from these private haulers. They really haven't 
set up that good relationship where the private haulers are coming in. Yes, they're doing, um, you know, their thing, but they're doing it within your city limits. And so they need to understand and be on board with these are our goals and these are the kinds of services you need to be offering our, um, our community members. You also mentioned um, a number of the pilot projects that, that you've been doing. Of course, everything from your curbside composting to some of these more um, circular economy-based pilots. I think that's such a great way to get people started and thinking about, is this something we can do? Let's try it out on a small scale before we go full throttle. And then lastly, just not assuming that everybody knows how to do this just because recycling has been around for uh, you know the better part of 40 50 years in most communities doesn't necessarily mean that your community members a know what they're doing or b um, are, are actually doing the right thing <laughs> um, so thank you so much for that I think this has been really helpful and we certainly appreciate Austin uh, being such a leader on waste reduction and we wish you lots of luck moving forward Thank you so much, Kim. This was great. Thank you. Have a great rest of the day. We'll talk to you soon. Likewise. Have a good one. Thank you for joining this episode of SAS Talk with Kim. You can listen to other podcasts in our sustainability action series at sastalkwithkim.com. Remember that action is the key to your community's sustainable future. What will you act on today?